Thank you so much again, Heavenly Father, that uh, we have the privilege of uh, being taught by you. Thank you that you are our teacher today, that you are uh, working hard on each one of our hearts to convict us, to convert us, to revive us and reform us. We pray for these wonderful blessings. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. The key to love is the surrender of self. If I want to love God with all of my heart and mind and soul and strength, I must give God all of my heart and mind and soul and strength. Okay, that sounds good in theory, but I want to bring this down to a very practical level. How does that work in practical day-to-day -day terms? In order to answer that question, I would like to ask you a question. A question I once heard from the pulpit, and when I heard this question at first, I said, oh, that's easy. But you know, the more I thought about this question, the more I realized it wasn't as easy as I thought it was. In fact, I recognized I had no answer for it. So do you want to see the question? You want to see the question? Are you sure? Positive. Life-changing question. All right, here it is. If salvation is a free gift of God and does not come by works, then why does God require obedience? We know very clearly that we are saved by what? Grace through what? Faith and not by what? Works. So we can take that out of the equation. Obedience is not about earning, deserving, or meriting salvation. So the question is, what is it for then? And you know, a lot of people, when they look at this question, the first response is, well, that's easy. It's not about earning salvation. It's a love response for the salvation we've already received, right? That is an excellent answer, just not to this question. You see, that answers the question, what is my motivation for obeying? And yes, love is the only true motivation for, for obeying God. But that's not what this question is asking. This question is asking, why should we obey? In other words, what is the purpose of obedience? If it's not for deserving, meriting salvation, which we know it's not for that, then what is it for? Why does God require obedience? You know, we as Seventh-day Adventists have a love-hate relationship with obedience. You know that, right? <laughs> On the one hand, we hate legalism. Because, and well we should, because legalism tries to earn something that has already been freely given, and in the process of trying to earn it, we lose out on it entirely. So it's an insidious evil that we must constantly fight against. And on the other hand, we also know that we must obey God. It's important to obey God. In fact, we still keep all ten of the Ten Commandments. The problem comes when somebody begins to obey God too carefully. We get a little bit nervous. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, wow, that guy's a legalist. He won't even eat, you know, fill in the blank. That gal, she needs to get a life. She doesn't even watch fill in the blank. When, when a person starts to obey God too carefully, we start getting a little bit nervous. My friends, is it legalism to obey God as carefully as you can? It can be. It absolutely can be. But it doesn't have to be. Let's talk a little bit more about that. You know, you don't have to be a uh, theologian to recognize that the Bible is a very demanding book. You can hardly read a page of scripture without being commanded to do one thing after the other. Have you ever noticed that? Here, let me give you some examples, just in case you hadn't noticed. 
Love your enemies. Be content with your wages. Endure hardship. Be patient toward all people. Flee hurtful lusts. Be glad in persecution. There's a good one. Do all to the glory of God. Give cheerfully. Keep yourself pure. Deny yourself. Page after page after page. Command after command after command. The Bible is chock full of commands. And a lot of times we think of the Old Testament as being the demanding part of Scripture. But these are all New Testament commands. In fact, I can show you a website that has 1,050 New Testament commands. So, back to our question. If salvation is a free gift of God, and does not come by works, which we know is true, then why does God require obedience? Obviously, obedience is important to God. Our obedience is important to God. For some reason, it's important. And to find out the answer to this question, perhaps one of the best places to go is to the ancient people of Israel, perhaps one of the most commanded people in all of history. Here is a group of people that God led out of slavery, and the first thing he does is takes them to Mount Sinai, and he gives them the Ten Commandments. And then he doesn't stop there. He loads on the sanctuary services with all of its rites and rituals. And he doesn't stop there. He piles on all the Levitical do's and don'ts that fill up the books of Numbers and Leviticus and make it difficult to read even today. Why did God do that to his people? If obedience is not about earning, deserving, or meriting salvation, then what is it for? Does God just enjoy bossing people around? Is that what the purpose of obedience is? God just a demanding, I want you to do this, and I said it, so you do it? No, obviously God has a good reason for everything he's done. And the answer, of course, is that God did not do it to his people. He did it, what? For them, right? The Bible says, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the Lord your God. This is a very interesting verse. This is Deuteronomy 28, verse 2. I would encourage you to read Deuteronomy 28 sometime. It's a fascinating chapter. The first half of the chapter is all about the blessings that God is longing to bestow on his people. And the second half of the chapter 28 is about the curses that come when we don't obey him. Let me give you kind of a, a bird's eye view of some of these blessings. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God, and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. And it goes on. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty, to send rain on the land in season, and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail, if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God, that I give you this day, and what? Carefully follow them. There's that, that, that word. You will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left. My friends, when you read this passage, don't you just get the idea that God wants to bless his people? He just longs to, lash, to, to lavish his goodness on his people. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not teaching a prosperity gospel. A lot of God's blessings are not comfortable, or easy, or even pleasant. You notice that sometimes? God's blessings include things like self-denial, self-sacrifice, suffering, discomfort, 
right? All these good things that God gives us. But God just wants to bless us in everything we do and everything we are. And God can do that if we let him. Deuteronomy 5, verse 29. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always because I am God and I deserve to be obeyed. Is that what it says? No, it's because that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. God cries out, tell the righteous, it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. He who finds me, talking about wisdom, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord, but he who sins against me injures who? Himself. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Over and over again in Scripture, we find the purpose of obedience. Every one of God's commands is an invitation to be blessed. Every one of God's commands is a gift, an invitation to be blessed. God just wants to bless us. The human family is suffering because of transgression of the laws of God. The Lord desires that men shall be led to understand the cause of their suffering and the only way to find relief. He desires them to see that their well-being, physical, mental, and moral, depends upon their obedience to his law. Are we beginning to see why God wants so bad for us to obey him? If it's not about salvation, what is the purpose of obedience? Every one of God's commands is a gift, wrapped in love and tied with a bow of grace. Every one of God's commands is a gift. God just wants us to be blessed. And every one of God's commands is an invitation to be blessed. That is why our obedience is so important to God. My friends, I think sometimes we let the devil give obedience a bad name. Let me give you an example. We don't have any younger kids here, but you older kids can help me out here. On Christmas morning, around the United States, around the world probably, I mean, I don't know, but at least in the United States, parents get up really, really early, and they go into their children's bedroom, and they pull them out of bed, and they said, you go down and open your gifts right now or else. Right? That's how it works, right? No? What? No? No, that's not how it works at all. It's the youth, it's the kids who redefine the meaning of mourning and come jumping up on the parents' beds. Can we open our presents yet? Can we open our presents yet? And yet, when God offers us these wonderful gifts, we say, oh, God, really, another one? Do I have to open this gift? Why don't you just back off? Leave me alone. Do we let the devil give obedience a bad name? Every one of God's commands is a gift, an invitation to be blessed. Wrapped in love and tied with the bow of grace. Obedience is not why God blesses me, it is how he does it. I think if we just understood that one basic concept, we would never have a problem with legalism. Obedience is not why God blesses us, it's how he does it. The legalist thinks that they're earning something by obedience. It's why God blesses me, because I did this, I deserve to be blessed. But no, that's not what obedience is for. Obedience is how he does it. It is the mechanism that he uses to bless us. And God is giving us all these opportunities to be blessed. Both the legalists and the true Christian obey God carefully. One does it because it's, they believe it's why God blesses them. That's legalism. The other does it because they want to enjoy God's blessings to the fullest. God does not bless us because of our obedience. He blesses us by our obedience. That's the same thing in a different, slightly different words. So, back to our original question. 
If salvation is a free gift of God and does not come by works, then why does God require obedience? And the answer, of course, is easy. God just wants to bless us. God just wants to bless us. The purpose of all of his commands is to help us, to guide us, to show us the best way, to get us on the best track, to make us healthy, spiritually, mentally, physically, every way. God just wants to bless us. All right, one question down. So far, so good, okay, right? Now, I want to ask you another question. A little bit harder, a little bit more practical. Do you want to see it? Are you sure? All right, you asked for it. Can I say thanks, but no thanks to God? In other words, if God offers me this gift, this command, is it okay for me as a fully surrendered Christian to say, Lord, thank you. I appreciate what you're doing for me there, but, you know, it's okay. I don't really want that particular blessing. In other words, can we deny a blessing and say, Lord, thanks, but no thanks? Well, let me bring this down to extremely practical terms. This is not a great illustration for winter, but in the summer it works a lot better. So try to think, think of it as being really hot outside and really, really sun beating down, right? Can you imagine that? Probably not, but okay. Anyway, you're at your favorite ice cream store and it's hot outside and you've been working all day in the hot sun and your, your throat is parched and your, your tongue is sizzling and um, you're looking at this delectable menu. And on the menu you see this chocolate, chocolate fudge sundae with extra chocolate. And you, you start drooling over this chocolate fudge sundae. It looks so good. It would taste so good right now. And so you say to God, you say, Lord, I know that you have commanded in your Bible that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we should do all to the glory of God. And I recognize that ice cream sundaes are not known for their God-glorifying qualities. But is it okay for me to say, I want to do it anyway. I want to do it anyway. Lord, thank you that you want me to be healthy. Lord, thank you that you want me to have a strong immune system. Thank you, Lord, that you want me to have these blessings. But, you know... It's not going to kill me, and I really, really want it. Can we say thanks, but no thanks, to God when he offers us these blessings? It's just an ice cream sundae. Come on, you guys. It's not committing adultery. We're not, we're not committing a murder or, or robbing a bank. It's just an ice cream sundae. Is it okay to say thanks, but no thanks to God? Is that legalism? You know, God has given us the power of choice. It's one of the most precious powers that he has given us. It will be for all eternity the power that we have. God has taken that power away from himself and given it to us. But sometimes we take that power for granted. I remember taking a, a group of students from Southern to Sierra Leone. We were there um, for a summer break, part of the summer break, and we were sharing evangelistic series with the people there. Each one of the students, each one of us, including myself, we did 19 sermons in 17 days as part of the Share Him um, evangelism series. And it was a wonderful experience, and these people were sacrificing their time to do this mission work. And during one of the presentations I was studying, and it was about uh, the Sabbath, and the presentation said, it asked us to ask the, the people who are attending, why do you keep Sunday? Is it because you've studied it and you know what the Bible says? Or is it because you've just always done it that way? Is it because your parents do it that way? Is it because your peers do it that way and your pastor does it that way? Why do you keep the day that you do? And it was a good question. But as I studied that, I began to think, I wonder if I ever do that. Do I ever make choices that way? Do I ever make choices just because, well, everybody else does it? 
My friends, if you live in the Laodicean age of the church, that's not really a safe way to make choices. Because you know that, that everybody around you is going to be, a lot of people around you are going to be Laodicean. They're not really good role models. <clears throat> really. So, I was really mean to these guys, and the next day, I said to them, Hey guys, do you guys eat candy and cakes and cookies and donuts and those kind of things? And they all laughed and said, of course we do. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And I asked them, okay, why do you do that? Is it because you need the calories and the fat? And they all laughed and said, of course not. And I said, oh, okay, so it must be that it's nutritious. It has some nutrition and some healthy things that you need. And they said, no, in fact, it's actually very unhealthy. And I said, really? Why would you eat this stuff if you don't need it? You don't want the calories and the fat, and it doesn't help you in any way. It actually, it actually hurts you. Why would you do that? And they, they laughed and said, because it tastes so good, silly. Right? And I love these students. We had a great time together. I'm not giving them a hard time. Well, I am a little bit. But anyway, uh, why, why do we make the choices that we make? Do we make the choices because we recognize our power of choice as being a God-given power? Or do we take our power of choice for granted? Do we say, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And besides, God isn't finished with me yet. Is it okay, as a fully surrendered Christian, to say, Lord, thanks, but no thanks to any one of God's gifts? The answer, of course, is no. But the answer, the reason why, might surprise you. It's because for every one of God's commands, there is an overarching blessing. An overarching blessing that no self-respecting Christian would ever knowingly choose to be without. To miss even the smallest one. Because when, when we obey God, there's lots of different blessings. One is the blessing of temporal health. Right? Physical, mental, social, emotional. God is able to bless us in those ways. And those are good things. But there are other blessings that are even better than the temporal blessings. For example, did you know that obeying God is faith enhancing? The Bible says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of works, the faith was perfected. Obeying God is faith enhancing. How many of you want more faith? Anybody? Yeah, of course. And it's one of the, one of the tools that God has given us to perfect our faith. Besides that, did you know that obeying God is prayer enhancing? The Bible says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Isn't it wonderful to be able to go before God with a clean conscience and say, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness, for your power working in my life. It's prayer enhancing. Okay, so those are wonderful blessings. No doubt about it. But there's another blessing Another blessing that far outweighs them all. An overarching blessing that no self-respecting Christian would ever want to miss out on. And that is, obedience is love enhancing. And what's the great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. My friends, if we want to enjoy God to the fullest, we have to give God our choices. Obedience is faith enhancing, prayer enhancing, and love enhancing. Every one of God's gifts, every one of God's commands is a gift, an invitation to be blessed. And when we open those gifts and receive those blessings, our love for God flourishes. 
Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And part of abiding with Christ in the center of his will is to be with him, to walk with him and not to, not to uh, turn away from him in any way. And of course, if it's true that obeying God is love enhancing, then the other side of that coin is also true, that oh, disobeying God is love inhibiting. Isaiah tells us, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Isn't that a terrible thing? Isn't that a terrible thing to be separated from God? And by the way, is it God who turns his back on us when we sin? No, it's we who turn our back on him. Right? When Adam and Eve sinned, who hid from who? And who came running? When we knowingly choose a choice that we know is not God's choice, we are turning our back on him and saying, Lord, thanks, but no thanks. And that is love inhibiting. To know God is to be one with him in heart and mind having an experimental knowledge of him, holding reverential communion with him as the Redeemer. Only through sincere obedience can this communion be obtained. Are we beginning to see a little bit better now why God values our obedience so much, why it's so important for him, why the whole Bible is full of these wonderful gifts, these commands that do all these incredible, wonderful things for us? No wonder then that it is important for us that we go God's way that we let him have our lives and direct us. Can I say thanks but no thanks to God? No, we can't. Because when we do, we turn our backs on God. And we, in our love for him and our faith and our prayer, it's all inhibited. And we cannot afford that. Because every one of God's gifts, every one of God's commands is a gift, an invitation to be blessed. Now, I hope you all understand, I'm not here today to talk about ice cream. You understand that, right? It's not my job to stand up here and tell you what you should and shouldn't eat or drink or, or watch or whatever. What I want to do is to start a discussion about choices. Why do we make the choices that we make? Are we taking our power of choice for granted? Or are we giving intentionally, are we giving our choices to God? Putting our choices on the side of God's will so that he can push back the boundaries that are keeping his blessings from us and from others around us. Are we taking that power of choice for granted? I love orange juice. How many of you like orange juice? Anybody here? Yeah, see, I mean, it's one of those wonderful, delightful nectars. I remember once I was on a business trip uh, at, when I was an engineer as, um, in Singapore. And I came down to the breakfast bar one morning, and there was this big bowl of half-cut oranges. And right beside it, there was a juicing machine. And I made myself a fresh squeeze glass of oranges, and it was so good. But you know, just a couple tables down was the pastry table. What do you think would have happened if I had made myself that orange juice and taken a delightful sip and then put it down, walked over and grabbed a donut and taken one bite of the donut and then come back and drank my orange juice? What would have happened? It would have been sour. What happened? Did the juice change? No, because of my choice, I was unable to enjoy that orange juice anymore. And it's the same way with the Christian life. Good choices are love enhancing. Bad choices are love inhibiting. And my friends, by our choices, we get to decide how sweet Jesus is to us. Think about that just for a second. By our daily choices, you and I get to choose how sweet Jesus is to us. And by our choices, we can sour our relationship with him. 
It all comes down to that power of choice that God has given us. Obedience is not why God blesses me, it is how he blesses me. By my choices, I get to choose how sweet Jesus is to, to me. That's our key phrase this afternoon. Let's all read it out loud together, shall we? Obedience is not why God blesses me. It is how he blesses me. By my choices, I get to choose how sweet Jesus is to me. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Why did Jesus speak these things to us? Why did God give us all these commands? Why did he pack the scriptures with all of these commands? So that his joy may be in us and that our joy may be made full. Every one of God's commands is a blessing, an invitation to be blessed. If we want to enjoy God to the fullest, we have to give him our choices. All of our choices. If God is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. My friends, the most important choice that any of us can ever make is the choice to surrender ourselves unreservedly, unresistingly, unrelenting to Jesus 100%. Wholehearted surrender. That's the choice that we all need to make desperately. Because that choice, that choice, when God brings us to the point when we can truly make that choice, that gives him power to give us victory over all the other choices in our life. Right? That choice is the one that helps him, enables him to help us with our other choices. Our choices in the things that we eat, and our choices in the things that we watch, and the, things, the choices that we do in our free time, and all of our other choices throughout the day. That choice is, those choices are powered by God through that one choice of surrender. If we give ourselves fully to him, if we get out of his way and let him be almighty God in us, then God is able to give us victory in the other choices of our life. But it all comes down to that one choice. God has given us the power of choice. By God's grace, we can give ourselves wholeheartedly to him, unreservedly, unresistingly, unrelentingly. That's my prayer for all of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, thank you so much <coughs> for the privilege of obeying you, for the power to obey you, for the motivation to obey you, for the love that motivates us. Father, thank you so much that we can not only um, live the Christian life, but that we can enjoy it, that we can relish it, that we can love you to the fullest and enjoy you to the fullest. Thank you, Father, for all of your precious gifts. May we give you our most precious treasure, our power of choice. May we surrender ourselves to you as we have never done before. May we let you be almighty God in us is my prayer this afternoon. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.